0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwinny Pooh, and this is episode 137. I am joined today by my co-host, Stacy Patton. That's at Stacy 89 Stacy, what is going on? Too much.
1: Happy uh, happy Halloween.
0: Yeah, happy Halloween. Uh, it's a, it's a good day uh, to to not have any college football on uh but before we get started today uh i'm going to mention a few things the strickland has a patreon now you can find it at patreon.com slash the strickland or on our homepage at the Strick land strickland monday is still free draft strickland is still free Alex, Zach, and matt's mailbag is still free and there will be another free pod added to the lineup at some point things are still fluid things that are changing uh pod strickland on friday with me and prez and my mailbag with jeremy and drew that will be available to patrons on the patreon six dollar tier or above uh i also am hosting a solo pod uh second episode dropped last week with jonathan mackery uh and that will be available for patrons of the nine dollar tier or above also if you subscribe to that tier or anything above you get exclusive weekly articles from jack huntley and matthew miranda who are two of the best Knicks writers out there. Uh, if you want even more Knicks access to us. period, too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And if you want even more access to us, you can join the $15, $30, $50, or $100 tiers, which include a ton of benefits from watch parties, sitting on our pod, pod recordings, guest appearances on pods, and even hosting a pod. No matter if you're a Patreon patron or not, your support is extremely welcome, and it is what has made all of this possible so thank you so much and without further ado let's talk about the motherfucking new york knicks uh the knicks won 123 117 last night against a depleted pelican squad rj barrett had 35 points eight rebounds six assists uh i mean i don't know exactly where you want to start but look they they obviously won that game they beat chicago on thursday which look uh i think we're both a little bit lower on chicago than a lot of people but uh chicago just i mean they comfortably handled utah last night uh utah obviously being a very good regular season team at the the very least um i don't know what to make of this team they're like kind of an enigma right now and they definitely play up and down to the level of competition which is very annoying uh but i I guess look, let's just start with rj barrett because he was fucking you know look Stacy, me and you had a had a rough day yesterday. So for RJ to have the game he had yesterday, uh, was a nice tonic, I, I would say.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll add. Actually, not only did the Bulls win, um, but uh, the Sixers. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, really took the Hawks to the woodshed, and that's with Embiid didn't even have that great a game. I did you watch that game at all? I didn't watch, but I saw, and they won by twenty eight points. They just like I don't know what's going on with the Hawks. It feels like i know i had mentioned this
0: earlier but like i mean not earlier but previously but they have like a lot of guys like they have a lot of guys right and it's like you can see that with us too where it's like like quickly is definitely trying to like figure out how to show off the skills that he thinks he's improved on over the summer right um and with the hawks you can kind of see like you know her got his contract he wants to show he's worth it reddish is trying to get a contract like there's a lot of stuff going on there and but yeah i mean look philly was they they just beat them down yesterday
1: yeah and i mean that is the team that the knicks did that to as well um you know raps is here and there um so i mean i think that that one looks better in retrospect um orlando has been competitive in most of their games um, so overall from that view, um, and I think after the Orlando game, um, you know, it, it was disappointing to see the, the Knicks not put the throttle down on the Pelicans, but also it was kind of, um, you know, going back to football, it seemed like one of those games where, um, you know, the better team gets a couple of touchdowns early, uh, and then just keeps the other team at arm's length, right? Uh, New Orleans came back within three or four, a couple of maybe nervous moments, but it never really felt like the Knicks were truly threatened at any point. I mean, and, it felt
0: like, yeah, sorry, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there were some hairy moments, um, but, you know, if you look at their win probability, there was a slight dip in the fourth, but it was generally well over 75%. Uh, and again, I, arm's length is the phrase I would use, which in itself can be a mark of a good team. You're on the road. Uh, you're coming off a pretty emotional win in Chicago. Um, and, you know, as a result, a couple of the top guys didn't have it. Um, but I think that's where um, that's where having young guys who can step up really helps. I think that was a difference for the Hawks, where you know teams are going to start to key in on the vets, like Trey Young. And the Hawks are able to find contributions for everywhere. And that's where we start talking about RJ Barrett, um, who had, in my opinion, probably his best game as a Nick, I um, know it was more than the stat line. I mean, you know, that sounds cliche to say, but, um, you know, you looked at how he was getting – he just – I've never seen him look this comfortable. Every time he goes in the lane, he has a plan. Um, he's getting to the rim with confidence. You're seeing him – you know, I think the finishing still needs some work, but you're not seeing him do the things where he used to lean away, you know, or um, or, or look out of control on on the drives. Uh, his heads up, so he's putting himself in position. I mean, that pick and roll game with him and Mitch is is really deadly. Um, and just Rob no.
0: passing is like he had one yesterday where I was certain that he was shooting, and he just like it's like very deft, very yeah. very like like just it's it's like he tr- he tricked Valentin and look, like like is obviously isn't exactly like the most athletic big man that's ever lived. Um, But, like, he drew him just enough and then just, like, just put it over him, and Mitch got an easy dunk. Like, it's just his touch on us. And he's always been really good about that with Mitch, but I feel like the handle is better now, so he's able to kind of get deeper in the paint even.
1: And he can um, throw those passes from somewhat awkward positioning, right? That's what it it surprises these defenders. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, just... Thirty-five, eight, and six, six for eight from three. I mean, I was not worried about the three-point shot um, not falling. His form just looks very fluid. He looks extremely confident. Uh, he even hit that step back. We, you know, I think there was it was Canada game during the Olympics where he had a step back, and everyone on Twitter was going nuts. And we've seen him start to go take more pull-up shots in early games. The results weren't there, uh, but last night he had it. I mean, he just took that with confidence. Obviously, the competition wasn't great. Um, and the, but the last thing I'll say is going back to that Orlando game, you know, you don't have Zion, you don't have Ingram, but this is a very young and talented team with a lot of lottery picks, right? Um, Herb Jones, I, I was impressed with him. Uh, you know, overall stat line doesn't look great, but he was um, he made a lot of plays on defense. Um, always seems to be in the right spot. Um, reminds me a little bit, a um, little bit of Isaiah Stewart last year, um, you know, in terms of just someone who is, um, you know, maybe. People didn't think of him as like, I mean, he's, I think he's physically more gifted than Stewart, but he's not, you know, prototypical big size, but he plays that way. But I was impressed by him. And then you look at, look at, I mean, they have Devonte Graham's a talented young player, Michael Alexander Walker, Kara Lewis played well. Those guys are obviously not high end NBA players at this point, but you play a young team like that um, and they can cause some problems. That's what happened in Orlando until Terrence Ross took over and that happened a little bit last night with Josh Hart. Um, you know, so you, I think that can be a dangerous mix when you have some some young players who are hungry who are going to give you a game, even when you're, you know, you think your talent should should play out, and that puts pressure on you. And um, and then you combine that with you know Valencinas and Hart, who are two pretty savvy veterans. That's that's uh, so I, I was I'm not going to take that win for granted. You know, I think that the Knicks came out. Um, and got the job done in you know what is not as easy a situation as it may appear. Uh, and the reality is they, they're going to have to win those games because they can't always count on beating the best teams. So while I would agree with you that they play down to their opponent, and maybe this is me now having more perspective after I <laughs> I felt that way against Orlando and I, you know, I was pretty um, upset after that loss, um, this one to me largely A, because of RJ just, breaking out and showing that he can actually carry a team when the other guys are are a little off. Uh, and the fact that, um, you know, I, I think you have to learn that, um, you know, when you have a couple of talented veterans surrounded by a bunch of young players, just because the team isn't very good, doesn't mean that they can't uh, beat you. And and that's something that good teams, those are games, good teams have to win.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I would say that, uh, I saw people that were, like, annoyed about Julius's offense yesterday. I didn't really have a problem with it. I think he was fine. He barely shot. He didn't shoot that much. The one thing I will say that's somewhat annoying is, like, he made two threes to start the game, and then he kept pump faking and driving on what were pretty decent, like, three-point looks on kickouts from to the top of the key. He's got to start shooting those more. He's just got to shoot more threes, to be honest. Like, I understand he wants to get to the rim, and I actually appreciate that because that was something we all kind of were, like, worried about in terms of he had a very like carmelo-esque shot diet last year right um and you were wondering like will he get back to being bruiser inside scoring julius and i appreciate that he's like still showing that willingness uh to get inside and mix it up i do think that it's, it's an adjustment for him because he is not used to playing with this much offensive talent as far as being the fulcrum of the talent because don't make no mistake like you, whatever the stats are and it doesn't really matter. Like Julius is the, the number one option on this team and he's going to be the number one option on this team. He's just adjusting to the fact that he doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting. So like in that process, I think that there is, um, you know, he's got to get, he's, he's still getting used to the fact that like, Hey, look like even on the number one option, I have these opportunities to take like spot up threes, uh, off kickouts that I I, sh- I need to pull the trigger on rather than trying to uh you know get cute pump fake go inside whatever uh that said i thought his defensive effort yesterday was appalling like like really really bad uh if you look
1: at i mean offensively he didn't force things right yeah you look at the overall stat line it's better than i thought it was it's 10 6 and 4 he only had two turnovers he went four for nine uh hit both of his threes uh to your point it would have been nice to see him take a few more but um yeah, I'll, I'll let you continue. But that was really, I think, what got under people's skin. Is that, that was probably one of his worst defensive games since um, you know there were flashes of his first year here.
0: Yeah, I I, I will say this. Uh, some people, a few people, brought this up in my uh, mentions yesterday. I think it is worth saying because I, I extended the same courtesy to Todd, who I thought looked awful in that disastrous Orlando game. Um, Julius did just have another kid. Uh, I don't know how that stuff impacts people. I. I've not
1: had kids not that I'm aware that you of, know about
0: yeah that I'm aware of anyway um but like I, I just uh so I think that's worth saying that said it was a very very bad defensive effort like and it wasn't just bad in a sense of like okay for the first three quarters he didn't give a shit this was bad even in crunch time when he came back into in the fourth quarter um like he had a he had two back-to-back possessions where he fell asleep on a back cut from herb Jones who is many things uh, not a good three-point shooter. Uh, so to get back cut off the ball when you're standing on the baseline, it's just very, very poor. And then he followed that up. You could tell he was pissed off that he got back cut. So then he demands the ball over on, you know, in his post-up little zone, you know, his his area, his office. Uh, and – he takes this god-awful fadeaway jumper, which, like, I think probably is the the possession that really sticks out to people when they're like, oh, he played like shit on offense. It was a bad shot. He airballs it. And then instead of hustling back— and There was still,
1: like, 14, 16 seconds left on the shot clock, something like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was plenty of time left on the shot clock. And instead of, like, he didn't—like, he just kind of, like—like, like he watches the airball— And then he kind of casually starts jogging back. Meanwhile, Herb Jones, you know, he fucking runs down the court like he shot out of a fucking cannon and he's like just easily gets two points. And um, this was like a theme, not just with Julius, but with the team overall, I thought, where like they just got fucking ran. Like their transition defense this season so far, uh, especially I would say in games where they feel the opponent is beneath them. I think has been appalling like, like really, really bad. The Orlando game, uh, this game, it it was both those, the, the transition defense has been really poor. Um, I didn't think it was great against Boston either, but, like, that was the first game of the season. It was weird. I, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to
1: that. I don't it was know. a lot better against Chicago, but there yeah. were lapses. And then those lapses do stick out as, like, yeah, to your point. And, just...
0: and I think – and the other thing I'm noticing, too, and a lot of these trends, – they're not getting matched up at all. Like, yesterday there was all these things in transition. Not even transition, really, but just, like, okay, we're pushing the ball at the court so that we can get into our possession with, you know, 20 seconds left instead of sixteen. And like even on stuff like that, you just see like complete miscommunications, uh, stuff where guys are like running to the same man for no apparent reason. So they've got to get that shit cleaned up. I do think the defense, there's stuff with the defense right now to be concerned about. I also think it's stuff that's like it, it should be correctable. And like none of these guys, to me, throughout their careers, um, have been players who like have they are they perfect defensive players? No, but I wouldn't say like stuff like mixing up basic rotations or uh fucking up defensive coverages like doubling off of screens instead of switching or whatever they're doing like you know you have like yesterday there was a possession our rl highlighted it um in his his thread this morning um where you see like it was iq and burks there's a screen they both go to the same like the same man it's like burks goes over and iq switches uh the Pelicans actually didn't punish them on that. They punished them later in the possession because Mitch just decided to, like, not rotate on Devontae Graham's drive for some reason. Um, but, like, those are the kind of things I'm seeing a lot of right now. It's early in the season, so I don't want to freak out about it. But, uh, you know, to go back to Julius and stuff like this, like, you don't want to see this stuff become habitual because it, Like I get, like, you can keep saying it's early in the season. But at some point early in the season becomes 18 games into the season. And when you start having those lapses for this extent, like an extended period of time, it is very, very hard over the course of a season to, to correct that and clean it up and, and really, um, get back to the basics that you want to be at. Uh, what I will also like the last thing I will say, uh, what really pissed me off more though, yesterday with the Julia stuff, um, Look, let's be real stars in the NBA and whether you agree or not, Julius, all NBA season, all-star definitely carries himself like a star. The Knicks paid him like a star. They are treating him as one as I think, I think we can comfortably say he's the franchise player at this moment in time. Um, Like guys like this, uh, they, they will mail it in on defense on certain nights when they feel the, the opponent is beneath them. And, and I'm okay i'm actually i'm okay with that like I am okay with that that comes with the territory what actually pisses me off though in this instance is obi is playing great basketball right now and his effort yesterday was fucking awesome uh he blocked another three point shot yesterday uh he got he had two blocks overall i just think his energy was great he he didn't get rewarded by his guards for running the floor constantly and and like that was actually really frustrating for me I think he only had two shot attempts maybe i'm not exactly sure um but like to me on a night like that where you just see julius is kind of like hanging out which again i am kind of okay with in the grand scheme of things tibbs has to get this kid more minutes like he played 11 minutes yesterday that's a joke i'm sorry that's a joke like he's been playing out of his he's been playing great ball to start the season you could argue that he's been at least what the nick a, a top three player for the Knicks this season. He's playing way too well to only get 11 minutes. And what is also frustrating to me is as soon as Taj came back, we have seen that he's not going to play Obi and Julius together. And that's
1: really frustrating because – And Noel's not even back yet,
0: right? Yeah, yeah and Noel's not even back yet. And it's really frustrating because those lineups were fucking awesome to start the season. Like Every time they've played together, they've basically been great. So to just immediately punt on that, um, it, that's, that's very frustrating for me. I'm not ready to say it's concerning because, you know, it's been six games. So maybe he just wants to get Taj into the mix. And once they they get comfortable with that, he'll he'll work in Obi and Julius more, whatever. But, like, either way, regardless of whether you, you know, any of that, like, Obi just, he has to play more than 11 minutes. Especially on a night like last night from Julius. Like, I, that is absurd to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, so going to just a couple of points here. Number one on the defense, um, and maybe you—you you can correct me if you disagree—but I do think that the reason why it shows up a little bit worse against more worse opponents, especially for someone like Julius, um, is that. And, and but I've seen flashes of this from Kemba too, uh, where a bad offensive possession will lead to will feed into a bad defensive possession because you're Julius Randle, you're being guarded by some rookie Herbert Jones, and you're like I should dominate right? And I think this is kind of the tough part about expectations is now you're like, you feel like you have to live to, up to that. And then when you can't score at will, that that's like, damn. And then you get down on yourself. And you just you have this like loser energy. Um, and I think the driver of that is like, you feel that pressure, like, you, you know, you're not playing as free, because you're like, I, I should be able to score on this person if I can't. Um, then, you know, kind of the confidence I built up from from having such a great year can now they have to take a, takes a hit, your focus goes. Um, in terms of the OB top and stuff, I 100% agree, uh, especially a night like last night, um, where you have a talent advantage and Julius doesn't have it. I mean, it's 10 minutes. Um, and it wasn't just last night. I felt this way for a while. I've I quoted this on Twitter, even though I'm not a huge believer in this idea, but if we must play Taj, uh, and since Randall's probably his best strength on defense is on ball perimeter, um you know he's pro- or maybe it's that our post defense but he's a pretty good perimeter defender uh, play them together because i think what obi really brings so you were i mean you were you mentioned that the guards don't always find him but even when he runs the floor it opens things up right because if you have a guy like kemba walker who can stop on a dime and pull up from 3 and you have to worry about obi coming downhill and kemba can attack the paint and you have rj filling out on the side like obi taking that defender in opens up so much um, and and the and I'll also say that this is a team that for whom uh half court offense still has uh some kinks to be worked out when it's working, it's beautiful. Um, I think Fournier usually has a lot to do with that when things are really going well, but they do stagnate. Uh, and Obi helps both with that because he's the only guy I think. Um, I don't know if it was Jeff Rasmussen who mentioned this or, or someone on on Slack, but Obi is the only connector on this team, right? And I think it's funny because. Well, the draft talk—we've derided connectors, um, and generally, the more valuable archetype is guys who can pull off off, off the dribble, right? Which clearly the Knicks have prioritized. But um, you need those kind of guys who, when you're when you are just getting stuck in one-on-one, when the defense is switching, you know, he's going to function as a hub. He's going to see the floor. He's going to constantly move and screen and be active. Uh, and he, he, I mean, yeah, it seems like uh, you know one of those feelings ball things, but. His energy transforms the team, and a big weakness—I wouldn't say weakness of this team—but when this team looks bad, you can see lethargy, you can see a lack of movement on both ends. You see them falling asleep. Um, so I, I, it's without a question, and and also like um, you know, in a, in a year where here's the thing, right? The Knicks last year established an identity; they just wanted to perform as well as possible. But the reality is, we learned last year that the ceiling of this team is first round exit last year. The ceiling of this team may still be that because it, in all likelihood we might get a 6-3 matchup with even a team like Milwaukee, right? Or, or Philadelphia or Miami or someone who, end of the day, uh, as much as I think for all of us, we want to say we have we have the high-end talent to match them. It's It's not quite that. And that's where you need certain types of... That's where you say, how can we raise the ceiling of this team? And I think... That's what Obi at the five gives you. It's not something you can go to all the time. I understand why Tibbs doesn't think of that, and you know we've invested all this money in centers, but that is the kind of thing when when you were outmatched, when you you know something like the Hawk series last year, that is the kind of adjustment that can that can allow you to play above your head. Uh, so that needs to happen more. And then the last thing I'll, I'll ask you—you you mentioned this before—Julius had a back bad. He got back cut. Um, that's something we haven't talked about. It's been talked about by a few people. Um, Ariel's brought it up. Benji, I think this is really a thorn in his side. Um, you know, what do you think is the cause for the Knicks, um, getting back cut so much? Cause that's happened a lot more this year. Me personally, uh, I think we, we can all agree that they're obviously being more aggressive in passing lanes. I don't think Julius would play that far out, for example, on Herb Jones, because, um, because Herb Jones is a threat from three, but they're trying to get steals. They're trying to get out in transition. That's my take. Uh, whereas Benji's take is more that it's to clog passing lanes. I think those are pretty closely related. But um, but yeah, just commenting on the back cuts because that is seems to be something that we've seen a lot more of this year than last year. On the other hand, they had seven steals last night. Um, they, they're clearly making more of an effort to do that, and then their transition game is more dangerous than it's been. So what? Yeah, interested in your thoughts on that
0: yeah i think i think it's yeah i don't don't know if there's too much of a difference between clogging passing lanes and trying to force turnovers um i I guess i can like i can kind of see the difference where one is like if you're clogging the passing lane you're you're less worried about trying to create a turnover versus just preventing the pass whereas if you're trying to create turnovers you're almost kind of like baiting the pass to a degree um but uh yeah i think i think they're they're definitely trying some new things on defense it feels like uh they're the the big one to me it's not so much i don't think it's just a back cut issue by the way i think it's like uh, there's something going on with how they're defending just the baseline in general on drive drive driving kicks like it feels like we're giving up an inordinate amount of corner threes mostly because the low man is sinking way too far off his man. Uh, we've seen that from a few guys before. RJ,
1: you know, whoever it doesn't really matter.
0: Fournier, like, you multiple guys are there on any given possession, right? So it it, it extends uh, across the team, and um, I think I think that's something that they are trying to find the balance of. So like sometimes they're too close to the shooter and they're paying and they're they're not really paying attention to him because they're like, oh, I'm cutting off the three, and that leaves them open to getting back cut. Um, that stuff just seems like it'll, those are the kind of things I don't worry about a ton because they, I, I, that to me just looks like you're adjusting to something schematically and you will figure it out over the course of the season and the balance will get better. The stuff that worries me is how easy it feels like it is to drive and kick on us uh and that's not just a kemba thing because i know people are going to be like oh I told you kemba's a bad point of attack defender like no i i think it's been across the team regardless of of who is running a pick and roll or coming off a screen or pinned down or whatever it is way too easy to get into the paint on us right now and look i'll be honest like i think mitch is still working his way back and he deserves some leeway but his defense has not been good so far I'll just say that. Like, I thought his defense yesterday was fucking atrocious. Uh,
1: I thought it was really, I, really... I, I would push back on that because I would say that his defense against Chicago, there were lapses, but we don't hold that team to 103 or whatever it was um, without just his abilities, right? To to play the stretch five, to help out on the I,
0: I I agree with that broadly. I think that what we have seen in the fourth quarters from him is pretty bad like consistently in every game he's been pretty bad on defense the fourth quarters it feels like there's still some um conditioning stuff going on and also just like like at some point and i i'm not saying it's now uh at some point if you are continuing to make the same errors defensively uh, in those situations, then maybe it's not just a conditioning thing, and maybe it's like a, you need to improve your reading of the game thing. I'm not there yet, uh, because we've seen him have much better stretches defensively in his career, right? Like last year, specifically, um, during many and, fourth, fourth and quarters, I, he was excellent.
1: And and fourth quarters, I mean, the offenses tend to be a little less sophisticated, right? I mean, I think if you go back, that Bulls game is, to me, the most meaningful one this week. Um, and a big part of that is um, you know, the um the, the Bulls part of the, the Bulls game is the most meaningful. Of this I think in the fourth quarter you could see everyone. It was rotations they were making early in the game that they weren't, and they were asking them. They were being asked to do some very tough things, and that's the unique challenge Chicago posts as a as a top five or sorry as a five out team. And Benji had a good clip um, where it looked like Mitch was supposed to get out and close out on a three. I believe from Vooch, or may have been from someone else, but if you actually look at the way they're rotating, it was Kemba. Um, So I guess the the long and short of it is, I would push back on the idea that this is Mitch lacking some understanding of the game. A, because it only seems to happen in the fourth. Um, You know, when they run complex sets at him early in the game, he's pretty good. And and again, that's when teams tend to to really run the more diverse stuff late in games. You know, it, it tends to be a little more iso. Uh, so that's what i would push back i think it, it it is pretty clearly a conditioning issue and i think when his conditioning goes he falls into really bad habits and let's let's not forget mental fatigue is a thing too right uh and if you're constantly been reading those kinds of actions and you're dependent on to to be the free safety have the most responsibility on the defense that will take a toll too so um uh, yeah, so I would push back on the idea that there's some lacking in his understanding. I, I actually think it's it's pretty good at this point. Uh, it's not Taj level, but um, I actually, for example, I think he has better instincts on defense than Nerlens Noel. Well,
0: I think I think he definitely is better at preventative measures than Nerlens Noel. What I will say is, I think like not having blocks and stuff like that, that like broadly, that doesn't really worry me because. I don't think blocks are a particularly great measure of defense. And when he um, needs them,
1: he's been swatting the shit out of some blocks. Like I, like the, the weight gain, I don't think that's affected him in terms no, of. No, no, I don't think so either. All that. Uh,
0: I, I do think that like, he's still struggling a little bit with, you know, okay, I stopped this action. Now I have to get back and then I have to get into another action, which is a physical thing. Um, that's just like, you know, you can run on a treadmill, however much you want, but like moving side to side, quick twitch stuff like that you just need game reps and he obviously hasn't had any for a long time
1: so i'm
0: not like i i'm and and i
1: and i would say mental stamina too it's a 27 minutes of constantly being engaged on that end and seeing what five players are doing i would i would argue if you haven't been in the game that's going to be a thing too right so
0: yeah and he's actually averaging 30 minutes a game right now so um i think i mean look some of that's probably uh juiced up because of that Weird ass Boston game, but still, like thirty minutes is he's that's that would be a career high to be clear for Mitchell Robinson. I don't think he's had a
1: game below like twenty five. Anyway, I'm looking it up now, but
0: yeah, I I could believe that
1: Yeah he, he played twenty three. Or sorry, um, he played. Yeah, he's never played below twenty seven. Last last night was actually his season low in minutes, twenty seven.
0: Yeah, I, I will say though, like, do I think that he played bad defense on Jonas Valanciunas? That's a really tough question to answer because. I thought to some degree, Jonas was just like really, really good yesterday. Like he just was draining shots. But I think these are the type of like, I I didn't actually, I don't know if I tweeted this out uh, yesterday, but I did. I know I messaged it in our discord. I thought this was like actually in some ways, probably the, the toughest matchup for Mitch, because unlike Embiid, Jonas has a pretty good understanding of who he is as a player. Or not like I mean not that Embiid has some bad understanding of who he is as a player, but Embiid will have games where he lets you off the hook, right? Like he's you know he like I'll I'll float out to mid range and hang out there, and like you know he he does that a lot. And Jonas can shoot, we saw it yesterday, but he ultimately at his heart and what he's always going to be is a bruiser, and he likes to get down there and he likes to inflict punishment. and He likes to bang, um, and I thought Mitch. I don't think he struggled with the physical element of it, but I think he struggled in terms of like, okay, how do I like now I'm strong enough to hold position, but how do I actually prevent a guy from getting to the spot he wants to get to? Like, how do I prevent it's him the from craft, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you saw that actually a few times when Vooch took him down to the block. Um, he he struggles with that that part of it, and that's you can already see the improvement that his added weight gain provides him there. Because like I said, he's not, he didn't get bullied yesterday by Valanchunas, like to the point where, you know, he was like inside the restricted area or something. Which has happened
1: to him against those kinds of centers in the past. In fact, last year we would often put Randall on those guys, even when he was
0: in the game. Right. So like, that's, that's definitely an improvement. But what you want to see is, is that final step now where you're like, okay, not only are you able to kind of prevent the guy from getting all the way to the basket, but um, you know, like. He wants to get to that right hand hook or left hand hook, and you are you're, you're just denying that and forcing him into stuff that he doesn't want to do. And some of that is just like very boring footwork stuff, right? Which, like, let's be completely honest, like, I would not say post defense footwork or anything in the in the post on either end is Mitch's forte at this moment yeah. in time. But like, he he can get there. Like, I don't think you those, have those, the
1: right staff for it. Right.
0: So. Right. Right. So, so like, when I say – I probably exaggerated when I said I thought Mitch was horrible on defense. I I do think, like
1: I – I, like, I, I think it's accurate to say he was bad yesterday. Yeah. Where I would push back just to say overall this season he's been bad. You know, like, I I,
0: I, I don't know if I – if I said overall, I didn't mean that. I, I That was definitely misspoken and an exaggeration. I think there are just stretches uh, of of games where you're still, like, like, it's, I think it's even more frustrating because you see the the stretches where you're like, holy shit, this guy could be a defensive player of the year. And then you see stretches where you're like, oh, my God, you look like fucking you're in the same condition as Zion Williamson right now, um, which is not fair, obviously, because he's on the court and he's not super fat. And <laughs> his conditioning is a different issue, right? Like, he's just not ready yet to play probably the minutes load that Tibbs wants to play him. Um, and I think you could see that in the fourth yesterday, which is why we closed with Taj actually uh, at the very end because I think Mitch, you could actually see it on a, on a, one of the possessions where uh, at the end where they uh, pushed in transition, Mitch was like kind of jogging back and then he like realized they were pushing in transition and just all of a sudden sprinted. So like you can see that his conditioning is still a work in progress. Um, I do want to get back to uh, RJ Baird a little bit. Cause I feel like, we just need to talk about that Yeah, part. we skipped because,
1: over i mean yeah yeah it best was performance
0: yeah it wasn't just his but it wasn't just this game like i thought against chicago he was awesome too and that was like more of a two-way performance but that stretch in the third where he just like everything went through him and he just ran shit like like i it was a really important game for him yesterday and i think maybe even more for tibbs yesterday in the sense of like We've seen before, right? RJ have these games where he has it rolling, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, he doesn't get the ball down the stretch of the fourth quarter. It goes to Randall. It goes to whoever the Rose or whatever. Yesterday was really important because Julius took that god awful uh, air ball that we talked about. Take a timeout. Kemba takes a really shitty pull up three that shouldn't have taken. I think right before that, Fournier took a really shitty pull up in the in the in the lane that he shouldn't have taken. Um and it's 111, 109. And the next possession is just RJ gets the ball and runs a uh, kind of a dribble handoff, pick and roll kind of thing. Uh, takes a pull up three, cashes that. Uh, next possession, he gets the ball again, uh, gets in the lane, finishes in the, around the. Or he, he feeds Taj, I think, for a dunk. And then the next possession after that, he seals the game with another pull up three off the bounce. Like that was. Look, Tibbs we know this about Tibbs, and I don't I this is something I actually like, even though in moments, like in the actual moment, it can be very annoying. He is not going to give anybody, but particularly a young player, he's not going to give you like those those reps, those on ball touches, especially towards the end of games, he's not just gonna give you give those to you as like, Oh, you need this for your development. Like for him, it's have you shown me enough in games in practice whatever that i can trust you with this possession to be productive in this moment right here right now and i think for rj to get those touches in that moment yesterday i mean granted not exactly the stiffest defensive competition but like actually if you look at their defense this year it's been surprisingly pretty good the pelicans like that hasn't been their problem uh scoring has been their problem which is probably you know has to do with zion and ingram being out yesterday whatever but like defense has not been their issue so i don't think it's fair to just be like well you know it's the pelicans who cares like one they,
1: they actually have some good perimeter defenders right yes. so they mixed with some awful ones so if if you go through who got minutes right graham and kira lewis um i don't think kira Lewis was a- awesome by the way i'm gonna take yeah. a i'm gonna take a whip for you on that but they have sadaransky they have josh hart they have the kind of guys who can give rj problems and i actually and marshall's a honest- good player so yeah
0: i'll be honest i don't even think graham is a Terrible defensive player. I think he's like small, so there's things that you can, you know, you can attack him with.
1: But like he's also shot six for twenty one last night. Good God, that was bad. I didn't realize he missed so many. He usually kills us, right? Sorry. Yeah,
0: but but like yeah, like he, like you know, he, you can. I don't think he's a bad defender though. Like you know, like this is like, um this is like the quickly stuff, right? We're like, oh, he's a he's a bad defensive player. Where you like watch him and you're like, well, who's really out here just like cooking?
1: Emmanuel quickly, like it doesn't really happen. Um If it does, it's like uh, you know, like a big like he struggled with Aing Section last year a little bit because those are like those physical guys give him problems, but because of his length, like if it's just someone pulling up, um, you know, he has the length to contest, he's obviously the effort. So
0: I, I think I think a lot of guards they always get this stupid like criticism of like, oh like they're a defensive liability. It's like the Steph thing, right? It's like oh, he's a defensive liability. And you like actually look at why people sit there and are like Well, you know, look, LeBron and Harden are cooking him in ISO, and you're like,
1: Yeah, okay, (laughs) like uh, okay. Um, but Yeah, I mean for guards the things you want to look at, right? Can you trail or do you die on the screen? Yeah, exactly. This is why, by the way, most people would say Alfred not to pick on him, but most people would say Alfred Payton is a better defender than Steph because of his size. But those things matter less than making someone put the ball on the floor, being in the right position on trail. Um, you know. Rear view contest, rearview contest, off ball, like that's that's the thing. A lot of people underestimate. You could be six two, quickly has had these kind of moments, right? You can be six two, but you get to the rim and you put your hands up, like that still has an impact, right? You getting up, go, going, moving, moves off ball, but um, but I mean, kind of going back to RJ, yeah. So he had it, he had it. It wasn't a, it's not a terrible defense. Uh, they have some guys who could play. Um, he, I mean, I, I wonder how much, um, it'd be interesting. I didn't even think about this before, but, um, with Alexander Walker, I believe also being, um, Canadian, uh, I think he's Shea Gilgis Alexander's cousin, right? Um, I, I'd be curious if there was any kind of <laughs> added intensity there from RJ. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So, um, but yeah, to your point, Tibbs trusted him down the stretch. I think it's important also to realize that Tibbs, you know, where we've seen in the past him force feed Julius, or go Kemba ISO. uh, he recognized that RJ had the best matchup, and we need to get him involved, not for his development, but because um, in many ways, in those kind of situations, he is our best threat. We do, I mean, Kemba is is good at getting to the rim, but uh, there's an argument that RJ actually is our best player at that. It's between him and Rose, I think, at this point, because what Kemba has in quickness, um, you know, near the rim, he just, he isn't the same level of finisher he used to be. Uh, which is fine. I think he's because of his craft, he's still able to make plays out of that. Um, With Rose, um, you know, he can definitely get to the rim. um, But, you know, know, I mean, yeah, Rose, Rose I would put in the same category. So between Rose and Barrett, I don't know, I'd probably still give Rose the edge. But what Barrett can do when you talk about a wing who can beat his man with speed and then finish through contact, finish sometimes over people and has now a developing mid-range game that you can't just sit on, um, that's something no one else really has. With Julius, it's more of a kind of, you know, bruise and and kind of tunnel your way to the to the rim. With RJ, you know, he has that is he the most explosive guy? No. Is he the biggest, strongest guy? No. Um is he
0: has be. a wing, he might be. He's really strong for a brick, yeah. <laughs> uh
1: but I mean I mean he's not like Julius. He's not our strongest player in terms of no, like no, bullying. No. It's like he, he is a bully for a wing. But he and he combines that with good speed. Um and uh and, and and he has I mean the passing is is now has been unlocked and that's been the most impressive part of his game. Um so I mean yeah, like he you look at everything he gives you, that is a player that we can't afford not to utilize more. Um and um to his credit, I think even when he's missed shots this season, I haven't seen RJ I think early in his career, particularly as a rookie, um, he his confidence would get affected. Um, You know, just not even from this game, but there was a play last game. I believe it was Levine who was back. But Levine has been playing better on defense this year. RJ had a one-on-one. And the most disheartening things about his rookie year, when I really started to question, man. Like, you know, as a rookie, I knew he was not going to be good. And I was just looking for flashes. But the things that were really discouraging is there were times when he would have a one-on-one in a fast break. And he would dribble out. Um, you're seeing none of that. Um, you're, you're also not seeing him pick up his dribble, um, when he gets into the paint, hint Emmanuel quickly, you need to stop doing that. Um, so, um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, he's, um, and, and I think that, you know, you and I have kind of disagreed a little bit on his ceiling in the past. Um, and it might be front running to say that after he had 35 points, but this season in general, how smooth he's looked, how much his skill has improved. I'm starting to see that, yeah, you know, where I might have said that I think his ceiling is, or, like, where I think he's, you know, his ceiling is closer to one or two-time All-Star. He could reach that kind of ceiling that you've discussed. Like, you know, I think Jimmy is the common comp, but multiple-time All-Star, like, one of the really top players in this league, as opposed to just a very good one. Um, And he's still getting better.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, the other thing, too, like, going back to the Rose thing, Rose is not, like, and i'm not this is not an insult by the way rose is like a good passer but he's not a manipulative passer like he he is labeled to get he's able to create good scoring chances for his teammates because of just like his speed and penetration um and like how quick he can get to spots which leads him which creates passing angles for him that you know uh aren't about being intuitive or like a step ahead of the defense rj and you're starting to see this now he is manipulating defenders particularly the big guys in pick and roll um and he he's not just throwing lobs like this is the thing he's he has flashed a number of high level interior passes to his big guys this year um and he has a very good understanding of what each of his big guys is good at So with Mitch, it's a lot of lobs. It's a lot of higher passes that he can go corral and either just straight up alley-oop or, like, go up, grab, and then elevate for a dunk again himself. Or, like, with Taj, he knows Taj is more of a ground-bound big. So he gets him a lot of dump-offs, a lot of... He gets underneath the hoop and then just kind of pitches it back to him, bounce pass, whatever, chest pass. It doesn't really matter. But, like, he's able to just get him the ball in positions for him to finish. And... He's unlike Rose and Randall, who are pretty good passers in their own right. Like, he has way better touch on his passes. Rose and Randall are just like throwing, you know, Pedro Martinez fastballs at at dudes. Like, that's it. Like, that's their passing. Uh, uh, RJ is able to manipulate defenders and defenses and create passing angles to kind of drop off passes to his bigs that are much easier to handle. Uh, and and allows them to do a lot more. So, like, I just think that his development, and and this is where the added spacing that the team has, the fact that you can't really just load up on one guy, uh, I think you're starting to see how that collective uh, elevating of the offensive talent of the team is allowing him to, uh, like, the passing feel and vision for me, uh, it, it's always been there since year one. What I think is happening now is because of the superior offensive talent, uh, you're starting to reap the benefits of it more. And I have no idea what he's averaging in assists per game. I actually don't think it's probably, he's averaging about he's averaging the same he did last year, three assists per game right now. Um, I imagine that will go up as the season goes along. And I, I hope so, because to me, in a lot of ways, he is this team's most natural, gifted playmaker. Um, and I, and I, I say that in terms of just, creating for others off the bounce i'm not talking about like overall shot creation whatever what 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 have it just in terms of creating for others i think he is uh the most gifted naturally of anybody on this team and uh you know you can really see it with the offensive talent here that that he he can he can get you five six assists a game i think he had five against chicago uh he had what six last night like you're starting to see the type of wing player you're talking of, like you would ideally want him to be. And yesterday was obviously like, that was like a culmination of the growth in a lot of areas of his game, right? His handle, his shooting, both of those things individually now combining to, oh, wow, he can actually shoot off the dribble from three uh, he can hit a step back. Like, I think the mid range stuff, uh, he still has, I think his gather in the mid range is still a little bit more mechanical and it takes a little bit longer. There was a shot at the end of the game where he's he was like a little
1: early too. Like he's yeah. like a half step early.
0: Yeah. And like, there was a shot at the end of the game where he kind of had to double clutch it because he allowed, I think it was Graham actually, uh, to, to come back and make a good rear view contest because of how he picked up off the dribble there. Um, but like, I, I think that even within that, it looks much better than it did prior to the season. And um, yeah, I mean, is he still susceptible sometimes to like taking weird, awkward floaters? Yeah, of course. Like he's not just going to like, it's not like that stuff just goes away in instant, but it's obviously much better than it was last year. uh, And the year before that clearly his rookie season. So like, I mean, look, like if you just look at what he's shooting now, uh, there were concerns about his shooting stroke uh, early in the season obviously they're a very small sample size of one game like last night does wonders but he his slash line right now is 48
1: 38 74 um and that's out of 5.73 is a game
0: yeah which is higher than it was last year like that uh, the attempts per game i mean from three um the 48 is uh, like the big thing for me I, the three-point shooting is whatever you know like i i think he's Basically, going to be a thirty-seven to forty percent guy for the rest of his career. Like from three, like volume, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think that that's just what he's going to be. um Fifty-five and a half percent from two this year.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and kind of on him. this, shout out Tyrese. Do you want to guess what he? Sh- if you have looked, that's fine. But if you haven't looked, take a guess. What do you think he's shooting at the rim? It's not going to sustain, but
0: uh seventy-four percent.
1: Seventy-seven percent for a guy who has really struggled with that. Now he's taking fewer attempts at the rim. Um but it also says he's being more judicious, right? Um well, and... that's
0: isn't that like that see that is and like like I don't I'm whatever, I don't give a shit. He's not gonna listen to this pod. And if he does go he can go fuck himself. Uh Kevin F. uh <laughs> I knew that was coming. on Twitter has been like crying like a little fucking baby this entire season like, Oh, RJ Barrett's not getting enough touches shut the fuck up um like well, it's it's. This up is up the there diff- also
1: to say whether is it rj isn't getting enough touches or is he bad he said both of those things where it's like the first one is a little more understandable the second one i, I just i didn't see it besides the shooting i think rj has been good all year and i, I was think, shooting some wrong
0: and and look here's the thing like this is why I think RJ Barrett is a special player. And I I don't mean that in terms of like he is like this a imi- like I watched I watched the Minnesota game yesterday, right? They played the Nuggets. Like I don't even know what Anthony Edwards shot. I don't think he had a particularly good shooting game. But like when you watch him, the talent and athleticism pop, right? Like his film really pops when you watch him. RJ Barrett doesn't pop like that. And so when I say special, I mean special in terms of like his mentality how he approaches things his professionalism all that kind of stuff like how many third-year players would come in having worked on their craft all summer and been immediately frustrated and let it impact uh other facets of their game with like being dropped down the pecking order in, in, in in a way right like how many players would let that impact them rj barrett has not done that he's kind of just like slowly he's like figuring out okay where where do I fit in? How do I get my touches? How do I get to the basket? How do I get three-point shots? How do I do all these things? And how do I fit in on a team that has a lot more offensive talent now that doesn't need me to necessarily monopolize the ball as much as perhaps other third-year players in the same situation, or not the same situation, but other third-year players around the league uh, are having the opportunity to do. So to compare stuff like that, which is basically what jackass kevin has been doing like oh my god eric spolster trust tyler hero look at their fuck off um like it, we don't need to like these are not direct comparisons right like like if tyler hero started for the heat i promise you he's not getting the same amount of touches that he's getting coming off the bench now if rj barrett let's be real if if tom thibodeau is like you know what i want to get rj more touches it's not going to happen with the starters i want to bring him off the bench like what kind of meltdown would occur? Like, what kind of <laughs> fucking meltdown would occur if the Knicks did that? You know, like, this is why I don't care. Like, his development is fine. It's going well. The reason why he's not perhaps having the type of volume, uh statistical jumps that you would want to see has to do with the fact that I don't think he's like, people are like, well, he's the fourth option now. I don't really buy that. What I think is the case is Randall is unequivocally the first option to me. And then after that, it's almost like, the the like packing order yeah the, and, and the picking order just gets picked out by like who Back has up. it going during the game and the last couple of games it's been rj because rj's had it going and it would not surprise me at all i think prez prez has probably been the most optimistic about this even prior to the season um but like it would not surprise me at all if we're sitting here at the end of the season and rj has the second highest usage in that starting lineup because like i think I think these guys, like, the thing that's always stood out for me with RJ has been how veterans talk about him. And from day one, every vet that has ever played with him and has talked about him has always talked about him in, un like, unqualified glowing terms, right? His professionalism, his work ethic, how much he worked, like, all that stuff. And I think these guys like Fournier and Kemba, like, a lot of third-year players, they would come in and be like, fuck this like i'm taking more shots than this guy i think rj has it in him where they respect the fact that he doesn't bitch and moan about like he doesn't pout he how he could have pouted early this season right where he's not getting touches he's not getting shots up in the fourth quarter or whatever he has not pouted he has not let it impact his defense he's not let it impact kind of he hasn't let it impact his decision making necessarily where like he's not just forcing up bullshit every time he gets the ball either
1: yeah, the one shot that I remember him forcing was that floater against Chicago in the fourth, mm-hmm. whereas, like, he just threw it up. But, it, it I mean, the touch was great on it, right? So that's the one yeah. thing I can remember, and that seems like he's worked on that, or, or maybe it was a fluke. Who knows? But uh, he he doesn't jack up shots when he's, he doesn't get frustrated like that, which is, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't think people think about that, but that is pretty remarkable for a third overall pick, someone who's obviously been, I mean, he's been scrutinized since he was 16, 17 years old, right? Um I mean uh, you follow like lower levels of basketball more than I do,
0: but I mean my understanding is RJ Barrett has more or less been considered like the chosen one of Canada since he was Yeah, he was I uh, mean
1: not just Canada. He was before, you know, I remember that junior year, um and he was ranked number one in that class with Zion and, and Cam. And he was, um, I mean, people had used the word generational. And then I think people realized, okay, he's not quite as athletic um, as as you might call that. He still, you know, I think people originally thought he would be a point guard because of that passing. Because of not quite having that separation and pull-up game, people were like, you can't really make him a point guard. And that kind of diminished his star a little bit. Because you're like, you know, he's someone who's had success against lower levels, but he's just going to be a good pro. (coughs) And he's had to deal with that. Um, for a long time, and I think that's where obviously having a father um who was pro helps, I think obviously he had the influence from Steve Nash, so I think that that is really his biggest strength, which I think you've mentioned, and people do underestimate that right we 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 look at a prospect skill set and kind of add here, subtract there. but Archie's biggest strength is this professionalism work ethic um you know and, and understanding of the game and the meta game, right like what's going on at a higher level in terms of your attitude, your professionalism, all those things. Was that, was I think, that a,
0: were you just uh, shouting out your employer?
1: Just, so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nicely done. Um, but, um, Shout, out meta. Shout meta. out meta. Meta world peace. Uh, and no, no one knows about that. So, um, no, I, I mean, um, our point is like I think to say Arger's work ethic is his best trait in the past. I would say that almost seems backhanded. You know the way we describe guys with freakish athleticism, dynamite scoring ability, but it really isn't. I think it speaks less to the fact that those parts of his game are not as good because they are, and more to the fact that you know in a in a league that has I mean we talk people like Michael Beasley get or you know or J R Smith or whatever might get their work ethic derided like compared to most humans. If they, are, if they are the bottom quartile, and they might not be, or if they're the bottom half of NBA players in terms of work ethic, that's still 99.9 percentile. So that's why for me, like, when a prospect's differentiating factor is work ethic, you're like, okay, but is it really a differentiator? Because that is a high bar at the NBA. I and mean, RJ is that guy. And and that matters a lot. Yeah. Um, and, work yeah ethic, I just... and professionalism and attitude and all of that, like, that is that is a unicorn like combination of skill of, of, of things that we just don't see from people.
0: Yeah. And I think that like, um, you know, not to belabor the point,
1: but yeah, it's just,
0: it's also like, it's also very uh, like, I remember watching that Duke and being really annoyed sometimes. Cause I'd be like, why is he like leading this team in usage when they have Zion who is, you know, fucking just like so much better than everybody else in the court and obviously one what you can probably take out of it now is that like coach K was just fine with that uh and was probably encouraging it to some degree and then also like like this is not a problem of a player who can't take instruction and is going rogue and calling his own number and just wants his touches like like that hasn't really been the case at all i'm like i just i guess i'm like just very surprised at how great of a teammate he's been so far in his career. I know that sounds ridiculous but like I I think well, like, I mean, he got
1: hammered at duke right because and I I you know I, I think that we all you know duke was must see television that year right largely right. because of Zion. And then you'd see a game where Zion puts up 25 on 12 shots. RJ takes like 22 and doesn't have an efficient game and everyone's like he's shooting too much right. Yeah. Um and um and I think to your point coach K kind of wanted to be offense set up that way. Um but, and people probably didn't realize how much RJ was helping Zion there. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. He he doesn't seem to be driven that way. There were times last year when he would force up shots. But to your point, um, a lot of that was that we just didn't have the options around him. And, you know, there were times where, you know, if you have Elf in the corner, he's not kicking it out because he's like, that's not a high percentage shot. And I think he's more wired that way than I need to be the guy, right? I think if he if he takes that role on, it is because that's what the team needs of him. Not, um, you know, I, I don't think he's really worried about that. Uh, and I think, you know, he has a lot of perspective uh, at a young age. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just like... And, and just a heads up, right? For those, I mean, because I've seen... Uh, I wasn't going to bring up Kevin. Um, generally, I mean, it's just been surprising to me because he's generally been a pretty good source of knowledge this has just been kind of a weird thing he's been hung up on but Archie is at 17 6 and 3 on 59% true shooting so far right now we're still in the part of the season where shooting averages fluctuate but it's basically his numbers from last year but he's going from being an inefficient player to a very efficient player um with really good defense like I'll take that that is that is um that that line has a strong case for being the next second best player so
0: yeah yeah, uh, I, I will say this, and I we're talking. We mentioned Zion. Uh, I don't. I, I have to say this because we played the Pelicans. We all saw him. He looks very heavy set. Let's just say, and I want to say it's like I still see Knicks fans that are like, and I know it's kind of like a joke and like a meme or whatever. Like, oh, like Zion's coming to New York. We got to get. We're gonna get Zion. He's gonna come. Like we got to get him. And I gotta say, man. The difference between Zion, like RJ and Zion's careers to date, is not purely just down to luck and injury and mismanagement by the Pelicans front office. Like
1: I mean, do you like, think RJ's had a better career though than Zion so far?
0: I mean, I think that I would much rather bet on RJ to have a better career at this point than Zion, yeah. I I like to date, if you want to say Zion has had better peaks and like has shown a higher ceiling. I will always 100% agree with that. I'm not an idiot. Like, I, I don't think... I, I think, obviously, the hope is if Zion never gets his shit together, uh, you know, the type of player he can be is something speca- spectacular. I don't think that he... Like, I don't understand this pass that Zion gets for just, like, being fat and out of shape and not rehabbing well and all this stuff. Because to me, like, oh, David Griffin's stupid. Oh, the Pelicans are badly managed. Oh, it's a disaster. Like, okay. Like, so there's just no modicum of professionalism that he needs to be held to then. Like, I understand he's young. I understand he's 21, but we're not talking about like, you know, oh, he's like not putting in the, the extra work after practice or like, he's not like, we're talking about a guy who's like flat out, not in shape. Like he's not in shape. And and that is not like some high standard of professionalism to expect of, of any pro athlete. I don't care how old you are. Like that's not this high standard to be expected and this is not like a case of um you know like we see guys right when they come to the nba they struggle with like they they they're in shape but they're not they're not putting on muscle yet right like they don't understand the importance of the weight room mitch has talked about this right like would like mitch was never fat i don't think he was particularly out of shape but he didn't understand the shape you need to be in to be like a high-end elite nba player right like that's a different level of that of of being in shape and that is like if zion was just struggling with that i am like that that would not really worry me especially since like zion's like natural you know fine shape is basically looking like a fucking god the end. Yeah. yeah right. like it's it's insane but like right now like he looks like fucking albert hainsworth man like he's <laughs> it's not I, I, I. it's funny but it's also like sad to see and it's also like concerning because i and there's been look there's also been plenty of talk about like he's not getting the best advice, right? Like he, I think a lot of his advisors around him are just like straight up family members. Um, and that's not to say like, I, this is not me saying like, you shouldn't have family involved in your decisions. Like obviously, you know, family is family and it's fine. Like that's always going to be part of it. I'm not sure. Aaron Rogers, um, or Tony Soprano, <laughs> or Tony Soprano, uh, it's the same person, basically Aaron Rogers, Tony Soprano. Um, but like, I, I mean, I, I think it is concerning, and I think it is, like, it is worth, you know, when people talk about, like, oh, Zion is this thing, and we got to, like, we should definitely try and get him. Like, I don't know, man. Like, this guy is struggling to to piece together professionalism in New Orleans. And, like, sure, like, maybe, you know, you throw him in the the culture of Tibbs, and all of a sudden, like, he becomes fucking insane or something. But, like, I just think it's, like, very Concerning to see the the shape he's allowed himself to get into, regardless of injury, because we've seen countless players be injured and not become like you know yeah heavy heavyweights.
1: So I think that where I would push back there is you would I mean so let's let's talk about Mitchell Robinson, right? He was allegedly two eighty. Um, he does look. I mean, he looks like that is a good weight, but I'm willing to bet there's twenty pounds he could shed. Um, and part of that is when. I mean, as a big, the way they eat, the way you have to eat and you have that kind of frame, you are going to put on weight. And if you're not, if you're injured and you can't work out, that's really hard. And I think Zion is that mold where he is naturally huge and he probably has that kind of metabolism where he adds lots of muscle. And then if you're not um, if you're not playing, you know, he might be doing his his regimen and stuff. Uh, he might even be sticking to a, a reasonable diet, but those guys tend to put on weight, right? So I, I'm a little bit iffy. I think when you combine that with at times just a glaring lack of effort on defense, that's where this whole picture of, you know, questioning his professionalism might come in. I do think it's a little bit early for that. Um, and I think that there are challenges that are unique to him. But the flip side is, um, you know, that is why a lot of teams will not, will be hesitant to, um, you know, to go with a guy who's six six and two eighty, right? Uh, on you know e- when he's perfectly in shape, right? Because there's a higher injury risk, and then once those injuries happen, it's really tough for those guys to keep the weight off. So, um, so I what I would say is I think that we should be a little bit more understanding. Like I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to call the guy lazy, or to say like there would that I would necessarily put his weight gain all on work ethic concerns. But at the same time, the fact that it, it, he's going to put on weight, like it's going to be very difficult for him to keep that weight off. And because of just his size and freakishness, injuries are a higher concern. That to me is like the bigger thing than um, being concerned that he can't keep weight off because of work ethic.
0: Yeah, and, and here's the other thing with him is, like, it's kind of interesting, right? Because with poor Zingas, what was, was it after was it during or after his rookie season when Phil kind of talked about, you know, he said he worried about the sean bradley type of stuff with him where it's like yeah like he's super skilled and he's all these great things but like at his height you kind of worry about you know the can he like his longevity right that was kind of like the yeah yeah Yeah, it was like that, that that was the concern right which i think like at the time we were like that's ridiculous almost but in retrospect like has proven to be somewhat of a prescient comment right like it's it's been a valid concern and it's obviously to some degree proven to be true um with Zion, the concern with him, and I, I remember this because I kind of like poo pooed it. Uh, one of the concerns with him that a lot of people had, if they did have concerns about him, were like, can he, like, he needs to lose some weight at his size, even though, like, like he wasn't like, I, and again, like I, I just said it, he wasn't big, like he wasn't fat at all at, at
1: Duke. Like right? he was like very much. He was a just favorite. like a defensive end, right? Right. The and, thing and, about defensive ends is they're not running up and down for thirty minutes and jumping fifty inches into the air.
0: Right. Right. And so like. That was the concern with him, and like you mentioned this too, right? It's like, it's good. Like you can be like, it's it, He was two sixty all muscle, but that doesn't mean you want him to be like like. That doesn't mean he can't lose weight. He probably should lose weight, right? Um, And like I think like I kind of poo pooed that concern because I was just like, oh, well, like you know the talent's the talent. You got to take it, and you know you put him in an NBA weight training program and all these kind of things, and it'll be fine. It'll be great. It'll be dandy. Um. And I think that's, like, maybe the injuries did set him back and all this kind of stuff. But, like, even prior to significant injury, like, I mean, there's always that that risk with him because he is so explosive at his size that it's almost freakish. Um, It's just, like, I I do wonder if maybe we 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 didn't take that seriously enough and, and were a little bit too enamored just by, like, the wow upside of what he can do and i know that's it's very hard to like to balance that right like who the hell wants to pass up on a potential all-time generational talent like let's not kid ourselves either like that because that's what zion was in terms of just pure talent right like or and is is still like he, he if he ever gets it right he's still that type of talent but um i think maybe that concern was was something that we should have taken more seriously and um you know, like I think it's worth noting that like the leap that John ja Morant has made this year, uh like it's not absurd to, to say that even if Zion gets back and, and becomes all the things we thought he could be, that maybe John ja Morant is still a better player. You know, like maybe he is a better talent. And 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 maybe we undersold that because we were so enamored, like you know, you can get so enamored by like by projecting out a player's talent. Like, you know, like you, you project out what they can be and sometimes it's you also have to consider like what
1: he's more likely
0: yeah yeah and i and and like i am not i'm not trying to retcon this and pretend like i will never criticize like as i love to shit on david griffin i would never shit on david griffin for taking zion one right like he was the number one pick for a reason and and like i'm not gonna try and pretend like that was all bullshit i just think like in general maybe this is something that um you know it that that injury discussion can get po- like it's easy to just be like you're being ridiculous and i i did that to to a lot of people i remember talking about it uh on pnt in the comments section before uh you know uh, like before that draft and and now in retrospect it looks like yeah like maybe that maybe they were right maybe they had a point uh that like th- this this should have been a concern that that was weighed more significantly at the time of the draft
1: yeah i mean um Yes, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see with Zion. Um, personally, I'm still pretty high on him. Um, I think part of the reason is when you have an elite point guard prospect, an elite wing combo forward with in in, in people did think Zion had the potential to be an elite defender, and he was in college. That that was um, that that was why I I like yeah. legit.
0: Me and Dallas talked about this in the in comment section, but like the defense is why when I thought of him as a like what he could be in the NBA. I was legitimately like, this guy, maybe could be, like, not just a dominant scorer, but also
1: like one a of PJ the, Tucker with actual shot blocking ability, like a generation. multiple,
0: like like a multiple first team All NBA defense type of guy, like a, a defensive player of the year level of of talent, maybe. Like yeah. I, I just I, he was that to me.
1: Yeah, and I think the concern is that at the time were like, yeah, he's doing this in college, but like. It's tough to like rely on just your vertical at six six to be a, a rim protector. Not you know, it's tough to be West Unseld, right? Right. Um, so um, those concerns have come to bear. What I will say is, what Ja is doing right now is a little unprecedented. Um, you know, I, I think you saw road signs, but his shot looked bad last year, uh, except against the Knicks for some reason. But um, you know, he's shooting thirty nine percent from three on six a game, and he's pulling up and. I mean that's when you start to talk about like yeah like he could be a Dame type player um, he's which really changes
0: he's averaging yeah just 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 to before you continue he's averaging 28.7 points per game uh 7.7 assists 5.2 rebounds his splits uh 52% from the field 39% from three sorry
1: yeah and only 35% of those or sorry only 65% of those are um, assisted it's a lot of pull-ups a lot of self-creation uh again we're in the part of the season where shooting percentages fluctuate but it's what's impressive is how much the volume has doubled and if you can't go under screens against john Morant, man, you know we've seen that with fox we've seen that with guys that unlocks so much in in your game and we know that he's terrific athlete john wall uh, elite elite passer i i think that even john wall teams would go under no no, no that's
0: what i mean like that that's what i mean like if you like, but it was always that was always the thing with Wall where you're like, Man, if he ever just gets a shot, like what the hell do you do with this guy?
1: And he learned to shoot, but there's a difference between being able to, you know, space and like you better not fucking go into this pick and roll against me. Yep. That's the bridge that Ja has crossed. And that's dangerous. Um and that kind of a player, um, yeah, that's where you start to think that's I think that needed to happen. If if Ja just ended up a very athletic point guard with great vision who struggled in the, like, something like Jean Wall, I would be less inclined to agree with you. But for the first time, yeah, I'm starting to consider that maybe it was Ja. Maybe Ja is the best player in this draft. Um, and um, But I mean, I, I, I think it's a little early in Zion. I think there's maturity that'll come. Um, I still think he has great feel. Um, he has some bad habits on defense, but I don't think it's just being lost in those kind of things. I think he needs to adjust to the fact that he's not going to be a center rim protector the same way he's going to be more of a helping for. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's tough to argue against uh, after Josh start that, that does change the equation a bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, look, let's also be real. like John Moran is still a minus defender. Like this is not like, like we can't pretend like he's, he's perfect. Uh, nobody's perfect. Right. Like we, we know that um, other than me. Uh, but, but like, like Zion is have like he the, I think it's like very hard
1: But the thing with Ja is he doesn't have to be he's an a he's right. an initiator, he's a creator. And you can hide someone who's 6'3 playing that role. Can Zion be a creator? I've been in Camp Yes. Um Yeah, where are if, you? If that does, because
0: I, I was also Camp Yes, but now I'm like much less sure.
1: Well on the one hand, he I mean he gets to the rim. It's it's not like oh he's the best. He he it is not even close, right? His, ability, his combination of efficiency and ability to get to the rim, even when everyone knows it's coming. That said, um, he does need a little bit more in terms of... Um, it doesn't have to be a pull-up game, right? But if guys are going 10 foot under the screen, just you can you can be slow, you can take your time. That has to be better. That is a big advantage that it looks like Ja might have over him. Um, and... Um, and uh yeah, and then, and then I mean and then there's things like free throws and, and those kinds of things. So I think that Zion can be an initiator, but either he has to become he has to take the next step as a passer. I think he's a good passer, but he's not like like Jokic or anything like that. Um or he needs to have more of a functional jump shot. One of those things needs to happen, which I would still bet on. Um and then at that point, you know, if he's something like Blake Griffin, um can he? Can, does that outweigh what he does to you on defense? Um, and that's where the struggle comes. So it's not that I don't buy the initiator outcome, but Jai is an initiator, and when someone is 6'2", you can play him a point of attack, you can ask him to do simple things like get over screens, which he's still bad at, but even, even having a defender like that who, who struggles to do those things or is inconsistent, um, at the guard you can manage around that. But you can't play Zion at point of attack. You have to play him as a big, which means it's tough to scheme around those things, right? Um, And he has to be in more optimized lineups. Um, And so you have to optimize around him on defense, but also because he's not a great shooter, you have to play stretch guys, right? This is the issue that we had with Julius before his shooting got unlocked, right? You can't really play him. You can't play him with a pure stretch five because most of those guys can't protect the rim. And you can't play him with... um, you know a rim protector because that can affect your spacing. The answer to that has been Julius de- developing into a jump shooter and um and and in the Knicks having other shooters around him. But those kind of guys can be tough to plan against uh, to to build around and that's again Jai's more of a seamless fit especially now that his shooting has come along.
0: Yeah, uh and and you're absolutely right about the defense too. Like it's easier to hide those guys. Um uh, what i think is very interesting with zion is and this is something with like i'm very interested to kind of see what the pelicans do i think i don't like the fit between him and ingram like i, I don't really see those guys as um i don't think it's like in theory you just kind of look at the numbers right with ingram where you're like oh 39 three-point shooter like three level scorer Wing like you know Zion is inside like you know he's basically it's him and Giannis right like, they, like I would I
1: would also say Ingram is a little bit underrated as a defender but I mean he's a better defender than Zion
0: yeah hundred percent he's a better defender than Zion but I don't think I think they're both have shown levels of disinterest on defense I'm not sure what to make of that right because like, we've seen like Randall I mean look it's funny to say Randall because he was super disinterested yesterday on defense but like we've seen Randall go from you know a player that we all wanted to just punt into the Gowanus and like, you know, leave him there. Uh, you said Gowanus or Gowanus? I said Gowanus. I, I don't know. I mean, are you supposed to? I don't know. No idea. I always say Gowanus though. Um, but like, you know, like, we, so we've seen like all of a sudden you change, you get into the right spot and all of a sudden guys buy in and they can execute the scheme and all that kind of stuff. Also to Ingram's credit, he did play a lot of minutes on a Lakers team at a pretty young age where they were top 10 in defense. I think uh, this was like Lonzo's rookie season, so That would have been Ingram's second season. Um, Randall was on that team too, by the way. Um, so like we've seen like, you know, there's evidence that he can be a plus defender or at least be a cog in a plus defensive system with Zion. The jury is very much out, uh, but there's also questions about Ingram. Um, how much like how how does that work how can can you build around two guys like that or is that already punting on defense so much Uh, i don't know They to me there's they've got to make a lot of tough decisions on that team and I, i don't envy the position they're 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 in because like you know zion's injury complicates things even more they still haven't really gotten a ton of you know I, there's like not enough of a sample size with him and ingram to really even figure have, have to have had it figured out yet then you look at the supporting pieces they have there, like you know we mentioned herb jones awesome defender very fun player high energy a type of profile they need but he wouldn't make any sense offensively with zion and, and ingram right yeah and then like like i like Naw in theory but he's a terrible defensive player uh so, yeah, he's a really nice offensive fit, potentially. I know he struggled to start the season, but I think the shot comes around. Like, I think he can score the ball. Um, but, like, he's a terrible defender. So, does that make sense with Zion and Ingram? Uh, you know, like, I like Devontae Graham. I actually thought that was a pretty decent move for them. Okay with that. Valanciunas is fine. Like, he's a good player. I, I'm not sure what to make of that. I don't think there's anything to be made of. Uh, it's just kind of like, okay, whatever. He's there for right now. It just I just don't really like I I don't feel like they're any closer to figuring out the team around Zion and Ingram if that's the plan than they were after they drafted Zion. Like it actually almost feels in some ways like they're further behind than they were at that time. And then you compare like watching us against them yesterday, like granted we were totally too cool for school throughout that game, right? Um but like our team just makes sense. And there's like real depth, and there's different options for tips to go to to be more offense heavy, more defense heavy, uh, and like then you just look at that that Pelicans team, and you even you imagine it with healthy Zion and healthy Ingram, and you kind of look at the players they have to pick from. It's just it's kind of like I have no clue, and and I guess more than you know, not not just to shit on the Pelicans, David Griffin here, but like I think that just says so much about. The job that Leon Rose has done since he's come uh on board with the Knicks, like you know, you think about the roster he inherited. He inherited, and the Knicks have like plucked pieces from that roster. They've been shrewd in free agency and in the draft, and they've like within two years, you've built out a team that legitimately goes like what at least eleven deep. uh We're not including, yeah, I mean, I'm not including McBride in and Grimes yet, just because. Yeah, because like, yeah, eleven because the
1: centers, you right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And like that's bananas. Like that that was really incredible when you when you think about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, our, our our first round pick from last year isn't getting playing time, right? We've been in the past where, um, and and I think a lot of Knicks fans now complain about that, right? Um, personally, I've I've um, Alex Burks can be frustrating against Chicago. I would have liked to see Grimes more because of his skill set. But I think what a lot of Knicks fans don't realize is um, this is how it is for most good teams, right? When you pick at the back of the first round, um, or you know, you're know you a playoff team, those guys, like the Hawks drafted Onyeka Congo, he barely played. Uh, and he's a big-time prospect, right? When you're a good team, your rookies don't play, um, unless they're, I mean, freakish, right? Um, and even, I mean, even Quickly isn't playing as much. We can talk about him, but... Um, you know, that's not just because he struggled. That's because on good teams, the vets are going to be just the better players, right? And I think we've seen some decisions when the Knicks were bad where vets got minutes over rookies that were frustrating and the vets weren't that good. But on a good team, that's usually not the case. Um, uh, the last thing I'll say on New Orleans, um, they were, it reminds me of what you were talking about with Ingram and Zion. It reminds me a little bit of, um, of the Knicks with Stoudemire and Melo. Mm-hmm. Uh, with obviously Mello being kind of that Ingram type, where in theory he's a three-level scorer, but he's not. Qu- well, Ingram is probably in- Ingram is underrated as a playmaker. He's a pretty good passer, but he's not quite that initiator. Um, and then you have you more. Don't, you in-
0: don't want him to be your primary yeah. initiator.
1: Yeah, and and you have two guys who are offensive front court players, and it's not even so much that um, I think the fit between Zion and, and Ingram is better than the fit with Mello and Stat. And of course, you know,
0: well, did you, did you buy that the Knicks would be able to just like figure it out around those two? I'm just randomly asking the question.
1: Um, At the time I did, but that was optimism, right? Yeah. Um, I I kind of, um, I I like the idea of being able to use those two players. We have one ball handler and one role threat together. I think that can work, but the question is, it's two offensive front court players that you're putting, you know, 60, 70% of your cap into.
0: That's and tough. they and don't they're not giving you advantages defensively.
1: Yeah, right. And that I think the Celtics are in a little bit of a similar position. I think Brown and Tatum are better defenders. But to building around two wings like that can be tough because you, you just can't invest as much in the other positions. You know, I I think that is why Devontae Graham is was a sneaky good pickup. Um but it becomes tough to build around those kind of players. Um and with Zion or Stat you have the added thing where you know if you play a Traditional center, it can be tough to to let those guys really get loose in in today's NBA. Um, So, do I think Zion and Ingram can work? Sure. Um, You know, you could, but I think one of them has to take a step forward uh, in terms of playmaking, whether that's Ingram being able to like really be a point forward and and you have your staple be Ingram pick and rolls with Zion. And even if Zion can't pop, um, you know, the level of pressure that Ingram's pull up shooting puts just prevents them from really just sitting back. So that that could be a staple, or you can have it where, you know, Zion takes another step, um, at least becomes a functional shooter or just becomes an elite passer. And then you can stagger them a little bit. Um and or and, and the last thing is you just need to be able to find um you need to be able to find good rookies to surround them with. Um I think Trey Murphy was a good pick for that reason. So guys on cheap contracts who fit who can plug around them. I think Graham was good for that reason, um, but you know, looking back to that draft, they did have the fourth overall pick, and they, they traded could have just taking fucking Garland. <laughs> I was I was gonna say Hunter actually. Um, yeah, I
0: mean that, that too. Like, but that it's crazy how much they fuck. I mean, it's funny too. I was talking about this with somebody last night, actually, even. But like, at the time, people went fucking gaga for that move. Like, oh my god, they draft like they traded four for eight and seventeen. They got Jackson Hayes and Naw. Like, there was definitely. Uh, you know, there was. Def- I mean, there are definitely people that thought Na was as good as RJ Barrett. I remember that specifically. Being yeah, RJ Barrett
1: got disrespected a lot. so
0: Yeah, <laughs> I remember that being like. Uh, and look, I I disrespect RJ Barrett. I said Jared Culver was better. So you know, fuck yeah, it. but fuck that's not the
1: same. I mean, Jared Culver was number two on a lot of. their number three on a lot of people's boards, right? I think some people had him too. Um, mm-hmm. cause there were people who would still had questions on Jaws' jump shot, um, but um. But yeah, like I I think that yeah, that's absolutely right. Right, they could have. I think Hunter would have been the best fit. Um, I think with his ball handling, you could play him at the two, Uh, and he would really add a lot to that team in terms of spacing and and helping shore up the defense. And with his length, those are the kinds of players who allow you to maybe play Zion as your center or your nominal center because they can help and scramble. Um, But um, but yeah, and and so that's where someone like Trey Murphy is a good pickup. I wasn't super impressed with him yesterday, but. He has a he has an intriguing skill set, um. But um. But yeah. Do I? So I don't think I'm as down on them as you are, um. But it, it's not as straightforward as, um. As I think many believed at the beginning of last year. I think Memphis is probably in a better position, which people may not have necessarily thought. I think those two were seen as like the two young up in combination of competitive now, but still up and coming with a lot of assets. Teams. I think Memphis has pulled ahead of them. New Orleans still has all the draft picks, but um. Total Oklahoma City, and um, and it's just going to be interesting. And again, like using those draft picks for trades, for the reasons we mentioned, it's not as straightforward a fit in terms of just accumulating talent, right? Like Even if they, if they get a guy like Dane, on talent, that team should win a ton of games, but uh, they're probably not going to be the great, defense. The, the defense is going to be really bad, right? Um, if they get Beal, it's the same thing. Um, and so it'll be a test. I, can you build a championship team around that? Yeah. But it'll be a test of finding of developing guys like Murphy, um, you know, guys like um guys like Nas, a bench guy, um, you know, making Hayes kind of um at least you know be able to play with Zion as a rim protector, they'll have to develop on the edges and make some savvy moves. Uh, which which a team and I'll I'll say this, like there was another team that tried to win with two wings. I think this is an interesting topic on itself, like the whole our two best players are a small forward and power forward, right? The Celtics are doing it, the Clippers are doing it, um, and it didn't work out for the Clippers because they didn't invest enough in point guard play See, and they left protection.
0: I will, I will push back. I think it didn't work for the Clippers because Kawhi got hurt.
1: Like I think they were going to win last year. I, th- I thought they were. year. No, seen... oh, you're saying last year? I was talking yeah. about the year before, but
0: oh yeah. Uh, I, mean, the, the, I will also like I, I don't care if people hate this. I the bubble to me is just I don't even like I don't even know what to make of that because. Every single game against the Nuggets, they were like, they were up like, what, like 15? And they just blew leads every game. Like, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. I don't think. I, yes, there were some roster construction issues and stuff like that. Um, but I, I almost like, I guess, but but your point is still like. Legitimate. And those are two
1: elite defenders, by the way. And right. when I say elite, right. those aren't just like, no offense to Archie Barrett, but he's not quite. Kawhi changing defenders, right?
0: Like Kawhi, Kawhi was defensive part of the year. Why is he a player of the year?
1: Paul George is going to be in the running for that award every year. So, when you talk about two wings like that, then that can lessen your need. For, but even they, they they, have suffered from a lack of rim pressure and a lack of playmaking, right? But and that, that's why Reggie Jackson
0: randomly going off last year was huge for them, right?
1: Yeah. Like, so. and, and that's why they re signed him. Um, and again, those are the kinds of edge moves you need, right? Um, when you build around two players who are, are front court players. Um, but the thing is, and so that, and that's that's probably, that's the Boston path. And they have, their defenders are capable enough at that to do that. And I think that's why they extended Smart, because he is that kind of edge. You know, they didn't they didn't break the bank for him, right? Um, but with New Orleans, um, yeah, I mean, either both of those guys, both of those guys have to take a step up in playmaking, or one or both of them has to take a step up in playmaking um, to be like a high-level initiator. Um, or Zion needs to fix his defense, which you know they, they have. That's the thing; they have outs, but as and they even have outs, even if those two don't improve. It's just um, it's a tricky situation. I, so yeah, where I think where where you say you, you're not envious of them, I would go further, and I, I wouldn't go further. I would, I would phrase it more as it is a um, it is a tricky situation that will require nuance. And, um, and you know, David Griffin is going to uh, <laughs> it's going to be on him. No, look, I mean we've seen we've seen GMs who were terrific, make some bad moves, right? Dumars won a championship. Dumars was a terrific GM until he wasn't. Um, You know, Scott Perry had a lot of bad moves until he wasn't um, with us, right? So these kind of fortunes can change. Uh, You know, I think it's not... um, You know, when we judge front office or coaches, people tend to go into the binary. He has no idea what the fuck he's doing. Or on the other hand, they'll be like, well, he gets paid for this, so I think he knows more about the game than you. But it's like, of course he knows more than the fans. That doesn't mean that they're infallible. That doesn't mean that sometimes they're not going to make egregious mistakes. But it also doesn't mean that those same jams can't make good choices. So um, so we'll see. They're, a, they're a definitely an interesting team.
0: Yeah, uh, I think...
1: Uh, there were a couple other things, sorry, that I wanted to mention on the Knicks. Yeah, go um, for I it. I wanted to get, on, get your thoughts on. Uh, so first of all, I just want to say, um, for what Evan Fournier is doing, he is in some ways having a, a career year. But uh, in some ways, he isn't. Um, he's shooting 45% from Thuron on a career high, eight and a half threes a game. But if you look at overall last year, he was like seven per game at 40%. Um, you know, he averaged pretty much the same number of points he's averaging now and assists. So there's very little to suggest this isn't sustainable. And he's really opened the offense. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, though, is, um, you know, this is in the midst of all the good vibes and so much talent. Um, you know, it's not great to see, I'm not claiming quickly needs more minutes necessarily, but it's not great to see how he struggled. Where are are you at on quickly right now?
0: Uh, I'm not too worried about it. I think, I I said this before the season, I thought him and RJ had like the biggest adjustments to make. And in some ways I would say, um, given what he is as a player, his adjustment is probably harder than RJ's. Um like the Knicks again, they told him they wanted him to work on point guard stuff. He worked on all this point guard stuff in summer league, and then now he comes back in the into that bench unit and it feels like he's still the third banana there. Um I have not liked how much Tibbs has gone to ISO or not ISO, but like put the ball in Burks's hand and let him cook kind of sets. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't think Burks scrambles the defense very well, so if he doesn't create anything for himself or get an easy kick out, driving kick or something, it the offense kind of stalls out. There are a couple possessions yesterday where that happened, and then quickly gets the ball, and then he has to create something with like seven seconds left on the clock. And his shots just off right now. Like I'm not worried about the shot. Like he he shot well for three years of his career. I'm not talking like in college, in the NBA last year. I'm not worried about that. I think he's just he's just having to adjust, um, or not even adjust. I think he's just having a cold streak. Like we saw him have some really terrible stretches last season too from from three so i'm not super worried about that uh as far as just like playing like i I think he's pressing i think he's he's trying to score when he gets the ball i think he's trying to to make things happen instead of just like taking what the defense gives him to an extent and i think the fact that he's struggling from three is compounding that uh because there are definitely chances where he uh has you know a pull-up three-point shooting chance that he's not taking because his shot's off and he's like kind of struggling with his confidence uh, I think that he needs to. There's been a couple times where he struggles in terms—not even struggles, but he's like you mentioned it earlier. Picks up his dribble when he gets into the paint. Actually, yesterday he had a couple where he didn't do that. I was very happy to see that. Uh, he made his first shot, which was a shot at the rim, uh, and it was it involved like multiple dribble moves, uh, hesitations, and stuff. So that was really good to see. Um, I, I would, I would like to see more. Obviously, it's early in the season, though. I, I'm not too worried about him. I just think that he needs to he needs to slow down a little bit i think the game is like i think he's trying to make the game happen rather than just taking what it's giving him which you know tips talks about this all the time right like the game tells you what to do uh i actually totally agree with that i think there are times where you just need to to take what is being given to you and play within yourself rather than trying to like show out you know and that's worked really well for rj and i think yesterday you kind of saw like it kind of all came together right like he he took what the game was giving him the game was giving him like all right you guys are just gonna let me go downhill on the on curls cool and then once they did like once they had to cut that off he was like okay well you're just gonna give me like you're gonna let me step into to threes off the dribble okay cool i'll do that and i think like quickly right now is everything is like he's got like 50 different things he wants to do every time he touches the ball and he's just got to pick the right one not not the right Twenty or thirty, like just pick the right single decision and, and keep it moving. And to to the point you brought up earlier, actually about how ob is our only connector, I think that is actually something that uh is it, it is affecting quickly in the sense that I think he would benefit from another connector in that lineup versus Burks, which is why I would if Burks had to miss a couple of weeks because of a little stupid, you know, his dislocated. Finger or something like that, like a his, a strained hamstring, and Grimes had to step in. I would not be upset about getting a extended run of of looking at that because I think that would benefit quickly quite a bit.
1: Yeah, uh, and also take off some pressure on defense. Uh, look, I, th- I think Burks does have value. I think it's fair to point out that especially when it's just the two of them and Rose is not. We saw that last year. Rose was, was being weird yesterday,
0: right? Like he was just like
1: yeah. Hanging he And as a result, he wasn't rewarded with a ton of minutes. But um, I think, and I I wonder if, you know, they use some of these games to say, you know, (laughs) like, or if the players are doing this right, where uh, if it is New Orleans, let's let's let some of the young guys get some reps. Um, That's probably not a thing. But um, the idea, so quickly and Burks is a less than ideal fit. Um, I don't know that it's so much Burks takes, or Grimes takes more minutes from him, unless he just, plays poorly and and burks can still shoot and and that's going to have value um and and quickly isn't ready to just take all of those reps from him yet either right right um but i do think it's worth keeping an eye on grimes and mcbride's development um because burks is on a pretty tradable contract um and if you look at the way uh, i think it was zach lowe who mentioned that i don't know if it was zach lowe or um or Devine or someone who mentioned that the Knicks don't really have the right contracts for a trade, and Jeremy was like, "No, oh, they do actually. These are pretty well structured to put together." But, um, but I, I, maybe that's the last question for today. I, I agree pretty much at all on, on quickly. I think that um, it's just a bit of a—he's adjusting to trying to be more of a point guard, trying to make all of his reads. Uh, I'm not super concerned about the shooting long term. Um, I think he's starting to take him from deeper. So that's affecting his percentage a little bit, and he's not getting as many catch and shoots.
0: I think. Uh, I think with with quickly, um, it's like I think he's trying to play. He wants to do all these point guard things, and it's almost like he has to go back to what made him so good last year, playing in that lineup, which was like, like being very decisive. It was mostly like he was just more decisive as a scorer, right? Uh, I, I also think one thing that's probably affecting him is. I think he's consciously not trying to take floaters as much. And that was such a staple of his game for years. Like, that's not just a staple of last season. Like, he's played like that forever, you know? Um, And so when you are consciously now trying not to take a shot like that or lean on a shot like that so much, that was a staple of kind of your scoring game. It is going to take time and impact other areas of your game.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I mean, so to, I
0: think that's something to just kind of like also give him on. the benefit of the doubt on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think what we're both saying here is, um, you know, I think the question would be, is he being exposed, right? I think the, the most pessimistic people would say, well, last year defenses weren't used to him. Now oh, they're. Yeah, exactly, right? All of that stuff. <laughs> uh, whereas I think, yeah, what we're both saying is it's more growing pains where he's, he's trying to look, we need him to take one step backwards so that he can take two steps forward, right? We need him to. We do need him to take fear floaters and develop that rim part of his game. We do need him to take another step as a passer, and um, and you know those those he needs those reps, and those are you know you have to eat your vegetables for that to happen. Um, and and just like just
0: as an example of a player that we're seeing this with, um, who we've talked about a lot on this pod, who I despise, but I will give a little credit to here because I have to, uh, Tyler Hero. Like he took a big to step. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh no, but like Hero took a step back last year, right? He was roundly criticized not just by fans of other teams, but by fans of my the Miami Heat. Like he he struggled uh a bit last year. Like when you have such a good rookie season, for some guys like you can fly a little too close to the sun, you know? Like it it and then you come back the second year and you want to show off like I got even better, but maybe the team isn't asking that of you. Like the team isn't asking you to be better. The team's like, "No, just do what you were doing last year. Actually, right now we don't we don't need you to to show off everything you've been working on this summer. But then you know you look at him this year, and he's obviously look. It's early, like we talked about. But he looks much better this season. So like these are like you know I, I forgot who said it. Uh, somebody said this. Actually, RJ said this uh, after the, the Bulls game. I think they might. I don't know what it was in reference to. I couldn't hear the question. I want. It might have been about like Patrick Williams or something because they mentioned he got injured. Um but he he said this and this is something actually bullock mentioned last year who's a journey like you know bullock bounced around the nba and and kind of has had to work to to really get his contracts and establish himself but what they both have have echoed is like everybody's journey is different like every player's journey is different it's not the same for everybody and whereas rj has had a, a kind of like linear progression it seems like you know that's not the case for everybody quickly. His rookie season was how much better was it than RJ's rookie season? Like, you know, like multiple, multiples better, right? It's so much better. That doesn't mean that his second year then is also going to be like a linear trajectory. And now all of a sudden he's going to be even that much better. Like it, it's not always the that that's not always the case. What you want to see more than especially when you
1: have to add new that, components to their game when they have to change their role, right? That is right. where you really can expect that kind of a thing to happen.
0: Right. And so I just think that like like and this is you know it's on us Knicks fans too like we, we probably uh, you get you get excited obviously but like it's okay if if he's not showing us like amazing levels of growth right like it, it's okay like I think it's a process and and when you have to change fundamental elements of your game to take that next step as you know as you said like your vegetables like yeah it, it, it is going to take a little bit of time and it, and it won't be pretty all of all of it but like you know, the, the 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 hope is that at the end of it all, um, there you you get more out of it. And look, like if there's somebody I'm gonna, again, like everything you hear about, if if Tom Thibodeau praises your work ethic and says he loves you, um, yeah, look, I, I'm just gonna, I'll I'll bet on you. I, I will I will bet that you will come good at some point in the future. Yeah, makes sense uh you was there another question you had? I think you said you had a couple, but
1: wasn't. Uh, I wanted to call out Fournier um just because I want people to realize that he's been doing this for a while um, oh yeah, I don't yeah i
0: yeah the 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 concern over Fournier was always very odd to me
1: uh, I guess the last thing I'll say is given what we were talking about um, do you think Burks is the most likely candidate for a trade deadline move, or do you think we they make that kind of a move this year? uh
0: no, I don't think so because I think ultimately his salary and all that kind of stuff, it it looks like it's geared towards being part of something bigger than just, like, because like, what do you, if you trade Brooks, what are you even getting for him, right? Like, you'd get a, a comparable player at a different position, or you would get an uh, expiring contract in a couple of seconds or something like that. Like, well, I mean, it's kind of what you
1: were saying with the connector, right? If there's if there's a player like that out there who might yeah, be better fit.
0: If, if there is a player like that, maybe I could see it. I do think that, like, Tibbs Tibbs really likes Burks, you know. Like I think that's obvious. Tibbs likes having multiple shot creators in lineups. I think
1: I think he likes Burks' Burke's size too on ball on defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think I think Burks' defense is actually pretty underrated. Like he's good at fighting over screens. He's not somebody you want to put on like star wing players or something. He, that. He's
1: kind of a space cadet, but he's a solid on ball defender.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, like he gets really he's good at like getting skinny over screens. He's actually very very good at that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see that happening like the only thing i could think of is if grime like like i said like if let's say burks misses a month or something and and in that month grimes is like you know all of a sudden you're like holy shit this guy can actually he's ready to play now um maybe and like let's say taj keeps playing well right and you know is is there a world where like a team that is in the playoff hunt but needs some more depth looks at a guy like like looks at a package of noel and burks um and they're like you know what for us it's worth it to give out like a protected first and a matching salary ballast to get these two guys like in and, and, and is that something the knicks would entertain i think they would entertain that in the right scenario
1: um and i think that scenario would be especially with noel you have ob kind of emerge as yeah an option and Grimes with grimes would have to be really good i think for them to view those guys as luxuries to for a trade
0: yeah and I, I i will say this too too uh the way Obi has played this year when you know it's been kind of like a thing where when we talk about oh what are the stars the next what are well, who's the star the Knicks could trade for and what would their package be and every single one is just like oh yeah and then you just like yeah yeah ob of course Obi of course and this isn't to say like Obi is untouchable or something but i think we need to start reconsidering like what his value is and how we should be valuing it
1: sorry can you say that again
0: like i just think that like when we talk about ob as far as what his value is in trade and stuff like that um i think we need to to really reconsider what i was saying
1: is that i think that in order to make Noel expendable they really have to trust that ob small ball lineup more than even they do now um because I oh think yeah no really i I was just
0: I, I was just saying something like I, I was kind of building off of that you know more of like what Obi has shown us this year so far isn't a player that you should just be like casually tossing into
1: no yeah
0: trades I mean the defense uh, has been a revelation his defense has been fucking awesome it was awesome yesterday too there was one possession I forgot who he got switched on, to, but he just like mirrored him on the drive and completely shut it off I think he even blocked the shot after
1: yeah and I mean he's not someone you want in drop really. Um, but especially when you pair him with, with defenders who fight over screens well, uh, and you kind of let him attack in a straight line and you don't force him into complex reads. Um, yeah, and, and, he, and he plays hard and, and he's a smart player. Uh, I think that's something that didn't come out as much as people might have thought at Dayton because he was kind of, he always used to leak. Uh, he wasn't asked too much on defense. Uh, and, you know, a lot of his games was dunks, but he's actually a really smart player too. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, is there anything that you would like to plug before we get out of here?
1: Yeah. Um, so this, I haven't made like a formal announcement yet, but I will be hosting another podcast with the Believe Sports um, with Matthew Miranda. Um, probably get off the road within the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll be posting details about that on my Twitter account. Um, so it should be a fun pod. Um I haven't worked as much with Matthew in the past, but uh, very talented um, individual. Um and obviously I'll still be doing Pod Strickland um until uh until Shorty kicks me off. Um <laughs> but um but yeah, just wanted to to say that and uh yeah.
0: Awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh I have nothing to plug, so I'll just plug the Patreon again. Uh if you want to subscribe, your support would be appreciated. If not, obviously Uh, Just the fact that you're still listening uh, is appreciated. Uh, But that is our show for today. Uh, The Knicks are 5-1. They're sitting at first in the Eastern Conference currently. Uh, They play Toronto tomorrow, uh, which will be today, probably, when you listen to this. Uh, And that will be a very interesting game, because I don't think the lethargic Lackadais goal defensive effort will be able to be gotten away with in a game like that. But that is for another day. Uh, Thank you for listening, and I will see everybody on Friday.